God grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Thank you. The workshop, the workshop format is three speakers for 15 minutes each. And then the floor is open for, I believe we said two minutes, to, uh, Judy? Two minutes. Okay, good. Two minute shares. The audio video from this session is being recorded. The audio not video from this session is being recorded and will not be edited. Please note that this session will be available online or as a podcast feed. Anyone wishing to remain anonymous should use a fictitious name. If you share, you have given consent to be recorded. Please do not share if you do not want to be recorded. Here's the, some Zoom information. Attendees are automatically muted. We ask that you keep what you see and hear here confidential and that there be no recordings or screen captures. Please respect the anonymity of all who attend. Please stop your video if you're walking around, having side conversations, or eating. If you want to change your view settings, click on the view button on the top right of your screen. You may choose either gallery or speaker view. We ask you to rename yourself to first name and last initial. Feel free to add your state, province, or country. Also, please note that chat is set to host only until the speakers are finished. The speakers share. The speakers will have 15 minutes each. Tell, they'll tell where they are from, how long they've been in OA and their length of abstinence. Share no more than five minutes of your story and then speak to the topic, no outside issues. The timer will say, five minutes. When there's five minutes remaining, the timer will say time's up when the time is finished. Um, okay, so I'm going to read before open meeting. No, I'm not reading before opening meeting. Yes, I am. Yes, read before opening meeting. Okay. Oh, no, I will not read right now. When, the, when we open the meeting, I will read something else. Okay. I love you guys. Thanks for your patience. So our first speaker for this form format, which is nothing changes, if nothing changes, will be our own Rachel S. Rachel? Thank you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm a food addict and compulsive eater. And I am quickly just going to share some pictures. Okay. Can people see that? Yes, okay. Yes. Okay, great. So um, this was me um, just about 17 years ago. So it was November of 2003 and that was me at my highest weight. These are my pants to show. Um, those were the largest pants I ever wore and those are the smallest pants I ever wore. So the size 22 and the size two. Um, that's me from a couple of years ago, my um, LinkedIn photo. 
And that's a picture from not too, well, a few years ago. So I can stop screen sharing now. I just wanted to show that. Um, so, um, so I'll just say, so I'm, I'm in, I live right outside of Boston, Mass in Brookline, basically Boston. Um, I've been abstinent in program um, for, yeah, 16 years and 11 months. Um, and what am I doing? Okay, so what's very strange is one of the things I was gonna talk about today um, nothing changes, um, is it nothing changes unless nothing changes. Um, I was gonna talk about um, one of the core things that I really had to change, which was um, my relationship with my mother. And it just so happens that I'm in the middle of a crisis with her. She's really declining quickly. So I had a big discussion with her today. So, um, I really need this service. Um, when my father was dying from this disease, I was in the middle of co-chairing um, a retreat and I needed that service then too. So um, I'll just say I come from a family of food addicts and um, I came in here for, through, I was sober in AA for 10 years before um, I got in here. My um, but my, my drug of choice was amphetamine and primarily because it was controlling my food addiction. Um, so um, I was really in and out of OA for about eight years before I, um, I hit bottom and it was um, in that, that picture that I showed you at, where at my highest weight, I was down. I actually went um, to a treatment center for food addiction and, um, and that was where I was at. So I'm five feet tall. Um, I am keeping off about 85 pounds or so. Um, and I, um, I don't know where I'm going. I don't have notes and I'm sort of in a crisis with my mother. So please forgive me. What's just going to come out is going to come out. Um, but um, I had a very long, I, I started my first diet when I was 12. Um, I always had, um, food was really big in my family. My parents were either dieting and my father running or they were binging. And I knew that food was more important to me than it was to my friends from a young age. And I always had a bit of a, you know, like a five to 10 pound weight problem. Even from the time I was like in first grade, I really could gain weight easily. Um, so when I was 12, I asked my mother, um, I said, I want to lose 10 pounds. What do I do? And she said, okay, here's a book and it'll tell you all the calories and all the foods and you should have between 800 and 1200 a day. Um, so thus began um, my obsession with dieting. So I was either restricting and binging and purging when I was in high school. So that was those little tiny pants you saw. Um, or um, I was in just in either binge mode or restricting mode, one or the other. Um, you know, from the time I was 12 until I was 39. Um, and it was really 
it was a slavery. And for years, like the only, the obsession with food just would not go away or dieting or calorie counting or else just food. And, um, and getting clean and sober was not enough. And um, what I actually want to say about what to topic about this is that um, I, I come from a family of academics, of thinkers. So um, I was always taught to analyze and think for a problem and that that's how to solve it. And, you know, everybody was in therapy and I'm 56 and I've been in therapy since I was 15, but I didn't really get anywhere really until I got out of the food because when I put down drugs and alcohol and that's an outside issue, so I don't really want to talk about it, but I just will say that um, that was not enough for me to make any progress in therapy. I had to be out of the food, but, um, but what had to change was again, like I'd been raised to, to think that analyzing and thinking through the problem was how to, how to solve it. Um, and then I, um, but then when I surrendered into this disease and was down in this treatment center and I started to learn how, no, it's actually not, you know, right thought leads to right action. It's the other way around, right action leads to right thought. And so, um, I also, when I first came in, um, 27 years ago into, um, a 12 step fellowship, I was, I was like very resistant against anything having to do with God or a higher power or anything. Um, and again, I was like raised, raised to analyze things and I had to learn how to not do that. Um, so, um, but actually I also want to just speak, I'm sort of getting to like the inside stuff and, um, I don't want to leave anything out. And I want to say that, um, so it's, it's the right action first. Um, and it's like working the steps in conjunction with, um, other things that I still do to maintain my sanity and my physical well-being. Um, so, and, um, that those were, that was, um, was necessary. But, um, but the first thing that I really had to do was, um, I had to change my relationship with food and, um, I had to change, um, you know, everything I've been doing because I, um, you know, I was, I had this very long standing unhealthy relationship with my mother where we would just, talk about dieting, you know, and sometimes she would give me money for, um, to go to the expensive weight loss programs that I went to. Um, and other times, um, you know, we would just talk about it and it was very unhealthy. And, um, and I'm not, I had to do a lot, a lot of work on my relationship with my mother and, um, and not to say that, you know, and I can't even say I'm free of all resentment against my mother to this day. I've worked, been through the steps many times. Um, I've gone through all 12 steps focused on nothing but my relationship with my mother. And, um, and it's still like a work in progress. And I said, she's declining rapidly now. Um, so I, um, but 
I had to change my relationship with food. So one of the blessings was that I didn't have to calorie count anymore. Um, so I let go of the calorie counting obsession. Um, but I also, I, um, I really was coming in and out of OA and not, not wanting to let go of the flour or really the sugar either. Like I admitted I had a problem with sugar, but I, I um, you know, and I would maybe let go of it for a little bit, but I really didn't want to. Um, and um, so I had to cut those things out of my life and I had to weigh and measure my food, which I still pretty much do with very rare exception. Um, and that's just because of the craziness of my disease. Um, I'm also addicted to volume as well. And I can't tell you to this day, like what the right size portion is and, and that's okay. I don't need to try. Um, so um, I, ha I have always had um, a nutritionist who specializes in food addiction, one or the other. I've had two different ones. Um, and, um, and I basically have, okay, so I've done what they've said. Um, so my story has been bouncing around with a nothing changes topic. I wasn't just like five minutes clear story first, but, um, but like everything really had to change and I, and nothing was going to happen for me, um, until I really did change from my relationship with my mother and she's a very strong personality. And that was a very hard thing to do. But, um, but why that was so important is what I'll tell you is um, until I put down the food, like I never, I didn't go through my adolescence until I was 39 and I put down the food. Um, so uh, it just was not possible. And today when I talked to my mother yet again, I had to do what's part of for me, it was like asserting my independence with just saying, you know, no, I'm not going to tell you what to eat. And, you know, and she just kept insisting. And I just was saying, you know, we each have to have our own, you know, our own specialists and our own people telling us, you know, what to eat and it can't be each other. And um, so that was a big thing that had to change. So, um, but working the steps has been, um, really, really helpful to me. Um, and, and doing service. So I just, I tend to be very isolated and, you know, I hate to say it, but when COVID first happened, part of me was like, woohoo, I can just like stay at home. Nobody can blame me for not going out, you know, but, um, but I really miss seeing all of you in person. And, um, but what's happened for me is, you know, I don't, um, I don't try to solve problems on my own. So, you know, when I just realized that it was a crisis point with my mom, and I usually talk to my sponsor three times a week, and I just realized you know what, this is a crisis. So I think I'm going to text her to try to talk to her after this meeting is over. Um, and I rarely have, have ever really done that. Um, it's a miracle to me that um, I'm not turning to food to try to get through this. Um, and that I didn't get sucked in by my mother today when she was trying to get me to, to tell her how to fix her by telling her what to eat. Um, 
I don't know, this feels like an odd share, but, um, but I am fundamentally a different person than I was um, when I was when, with that picture that I first showed you. Um, and I, you know, I look different on the outside, but um, on the inside, I'm capable of, um, I'm capable of being useful. Um, I'm capable somehow or other, I'm gonna be capable of, um, I'm capable of being a good daughter somehow. And um, I can sponsor other people and help them in that way. Um, I can be there for other family members. Um, and I don't have to eat over it. And that's how it's been, you know, this whole time is, um, the, and the miracle has been that um, I haven't actually really had cravings either. Um, the food doesn't, um, it doesn't call to Okay, so I'm just gonna say goodbye because I guess my time was up because I got muted. Um, I don't know if that accidentally happened. Um, but it does look like my time. Tell us. Yeah, I think my time is about up. <laughs> so, yeah, I see about a minute longer. Okay. But the timer so, can confirm. Okay, so um, I don't know. I'm just grateful to be here. And actually, you're helping me today more, you know, than I am in helping you. But um, I would say the way to fundamentally change things is um, to work the steps. Um, you know, don't eat no matter what, and um, to have a connection to your higher power. So thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you, Rachel. Everybody's clapping their hands. You great share. Thank you so, so much. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being abstinent. Okay, guess who's second? Me. Because see, Kimberly got her spot. She came in, she asserted herself and said, listen, but anyway, my name is Vivian. I am a compulsive overeater. And through the grace of God, I am abstinent today. I weigh and measure my food. I write it down. I call my food into a sponsor. And I only eat three meals a day without exception. And, and I say that because, um, I say that because it wasn't always like this. And I didn't volunteer this information in a way that was feeling robotic. Let me put it that way. I did not say that robotically. Um, and I used to say that for nine years robotically and I'm no longer a robot. Um, and you'll hear a little bit about that as I continue to share my story. Um, I had to get off of drugs and alcohol in 1984 before I found OA, I had to. I could not stop compulsively overeating without leaving the drugs and alcohol alone. But unfortunately, it wasn't the drugs and alcohol that was gonna keep me sober because I was drunk with food. I was drunk with food. I found out that I used food just like I used drugs and alcohol. And in 1990, you know, I was the kind of addict, food addict that, you know, I'm just gonna leave. I'm gonna just take a little one, leave it over there in the kitchen, you know? And then, and then like 10 minutes later, oh, 
let me, ju- I'm just going to take a slice. And then, and, 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 and then by the time it was all gone, it was all gone. And I wanted more. I wanted more. It wasn't even like I was satisfied. It did not satisfy me, you know, and um, it was such a short term satisf- satisfaction, you know, and I don't know where the blank I heard. I think one of the, um, I think one, my sponsor who was in the other fellowship told me about OA. I don't know where I heard, heard about you guys. I, I just don't know. But in 1990, um, 1990, I went to my first OA meeting and they said, I didn't have to eat like that anymore. I didn't have to eat like that anymore. And I just started crying. Cause I felt like you guys got it. I felt like you understood. Like I didn't even understand and you guys understood. And you know what they, 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 and this group, oh my God, every, every opening they would be, they would do the readings and the one that I don't know about y'all, but the one that would make me cry is the welcome home. Welcome home, you know? And, um, I felt at home. Um, I realized that it was a lot of underlining issues. And I too went to a rehab in um, California um, for 30 days. And guess what? The weight came off. Whoa, the weight came off. But if nothing changes, nothing changes. And where did the change have to come from? Not the weight, the head. I had the head problem. The weight was just a symptom. And I didn't even, and see, this is why I really believe, you know, I don't know if it's because I'm like 63 now. And when I came in, I was like 30 something. I I don't know. But if I knew what I knew now, I would have just been saying, easy does it, baby. Just, you know, you're all right. But when I lost that weight, I was so afraid. I felt naked. I had never connected with how much the fat was protecting me. That that's why I was, I wanted to be protected. And um, I have the, uh, I have a lot of underlining issues in my life. The molestation, you know, the the runaway child, all of that stuff, you know, and um, just inappropriate sexual stuff going on as a young child. So, Perhaps the weight was a way to protect me, you know? Um, but um, when I lost that weight, oh my God, I felt like I was walking down the street naked. You would just, I, I just was not comfortable with this new body, you know? And that's not being comfortable with a new body without having the steps, without having that kind of concrete fellowship behind you kind of thing. I um, mean, I just, I don't want to say I was just too, I just didn't know enough. I didn't, I didn't know enough. I even went to meetings not knowing enough, if that makes any sense. And being able, and one of the things I, I recognized too is how I, 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 I defined your body by the way I looked. See, you know, I love some of the slogans they used to say, um, and uh, um, keep your eye on your own plate. That means a lot more now to me 30 something years later than it than when I first heard. I thought they were talking about don't look at anybody's food. No, don't look at anybody's body. Don't look at anybody's outsides and compare them to yours. Just compare yourself to yourself. You know, so um, I came in, like I said, in 1990, um, 
And um, in 1998, I wasn't good enough in OA. And what that meant is I kept on going back and forth, you know, and, and, and I, my, my weight, if, if I looked at myself now and I looked at myself then, I was pretty foxy, but it was all in my head. You know, I wasn't eating like girlfriend over there, you know, this one was eating this and maybe I should eat that and this one's not eating that. I was just crazy. You know, and I didn't have that kind of sponsor sponsee relationship that I have now in, in, in OA. And so I put myself in gray sheet and uh, that's where I had most of my success. Um, but a year ago, something happened, maybe a year and a half ago, I don't know, but something happened and um, they took something off the line and they said, you know, I couldn't have this and I couldn't have, I was like, who the blank is the whiz? Who, who, who's, who's the boss? Who's the boss? And I got resentful, but I remembered something in the past. Whenever I, Vivian, got resentful, I would take it out on me. So what did I do? I learned to change because of the, the information and the, just, just being abstinent as well. I said to myself, I am not gonna be mad at this group of people who are just trying to do the best they can. And I looked at the fact that I was writing my food down. I looked at the fact that I was weighing and measuring. I looked at the discipline that this particular way a lifestyle gave me. And I went to the mirror and I said, you know what, Vivian? You're gonna take some responsibility. You're gonna go to OA and you're gonna learn how to practice taking care of yourself. Found a nutritionist who gave me a, 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 a nice plan of eating, found a sponsor, found um, a sponsor and actually OA Howe who worked with me with my program. And what I loved is everything that I was able to, um, everything I learned in, in early OA, I call it when I was early in OA, I was like getting it, it was clicking. It was clicking, it made sense. And my commitment was for me that I wanted to make a literature driven group because I love the literature. I love it. The other day I read about, we're reading the book Abstinence and we, I read about this, this one of our fellows who was an avid service person did this, did that, did that, stopped making meetings, gained a thousand pounds and died. That's a different story than in the big book. In, in the, you know, the other big book, that's a different story. That's a wake up call. That's telling me what the treatment is. I make meetings, I do service, I get honest with myself. And that's another piece that I really know about. I think the slip comes way before, the, the slip comes way before the slip, if you know what I mean. You know, it's the fact that I trust God enough to be honest with another human being because that's what my fifth step says. My fifth step says, you don't keep this stuff to yourself. Oh yeah, Vivian, you know, you, you did that or you, 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 you da, 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 right? Whatever the, whatever it is that even this convention made me nervous. I, let me tell you this convention I was holding, I was holding, holding, um, I was, I told my sponsor, I don't want to tell you this, but I registered for the convention. And ever since I registered for the convention, I've been wanting to eat. 
what is that about? You know, then she said, what is that about? Maybe I'm not good enough. You know, maybe it all, and as soon as I got honest about it, guess what? That disease didn't have any power, did not have any power. So when I look, okay, thank you. When I look at, if nothing changes, what I look like, look at is everything changes. Change is constant. My thing is to surrender. When I'm powerless over my addiction and it makes my life unmanageable, that's the first change I make. And then the rest is gravy. Oops, the rest is a flow. You know, the rest is a flow. Because once I'm powerless, I get power. I get a power with a higher power. I get power with a group of compulsive overeaters. I get power with literature. I get power with the weighing and measuring. I get power with giving my food up. I get power with doing my assignments every day. I get power with sponsoring others and giving them not my mess, but the message. Wow. 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 What a gift, you know? And so um, I belong to, and I, you know, I come from this place where I call my home group and my home group meets in Queens, in Queens, New York, and we're on Zoom. And I I don't know, we don't, we don't have names like, you know, so I'm gonna just say we meet Monday at 1030. And we are at a literature driven meeting. And we read from the different abstinence, um, the OA book, um, uh, New Beginnings, um, the big book, so I'm boom. And then we journal right for 15 minutes. And that it's a powerful, powerful meeting. And it doesn't matter what we look like. It really doesn't. What it, what it does matter is that we're in there for five, the fifth tradition. Our primary purpose is to stay abstinent and carry the message. We're there because we want, we desire to be abstinent. We desire not to compulsively overeat. And so I thank all the service people, Judy, Kim, all of you guys, the co-host. I thank you all for being here on the Zoom call to help me stay abstinent. This is like a real good insurance right now. Um, And um, I'm just proud to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous. Thanks for letting me share. Okay. I love the claps. I love that too. God bless you all. And now it's not definitely least, but she is last. I'm going to give you Kimberly. So thank you so much. Thank you both, Rachel and Vivian. I really just needed to be able to sit and relax and listen and switch gears. And so I appreciate you uh, letting me have that opportunity. I'm usually happy to lead. I figured I'd led enough today. Uh, I don't mind going for a second last usually, but tonight I I really needed this, so I appreciate it. So um, as you know, I'm Kimberly. I'm a compulsive overeater. I've been uh, in OA for 34 and a half years, abstinent for just over 34 years, thanks to OA, and I'm maintaining a weight loss of a little over 70 pounds. And here's a little trick somebody taught me to show you my before picture. 
So there's uh, me uh, when I graduated from high school in 1976. So my husband does not like me to leave that picture on Zoom. He likes a picture of me currently. So, uh, so there you go. So I did make notes because I knew I'd be tired. And, uh, forgive me for referring to them. But I love this topic and I got in trouble. My program, our program chair said, oh, I've got this topic, but I don't know if it's too esoteric. What do you think? If nothing changes, nothing changes. And I said, oh, it's a great topic. I love that topic. And she said, okay, good, you're speaking. It's like, wait. <laughs> so, however, if there is one thing that I've learned in 34 years of recovery is that uh, it turns out that my mom was right. Action is the magic word. There's another thing I've learned is that it doesn't matter what I think. It only matters what I do. And this is completely counterintuitive to me. What's intuitive to me is I'll do it. I'll stick to my diet or I'll plan my meals or I'll write on assignment or whatever, lose the weight when I want to enough. That feels like, it feels like wanting leads to action. And then intuitive that follows that is that if I'm not doing it, I must not want it enough because if I wanted it enough, I would do it. So I was fat my whole life before I came to OA in 1986. When I was at my top weight, and that picture wasn't my top weight, uh, I was 72, 73 pounds higher than today. And I thought the reason that I couldn't stick to my diet was that I really didn't want it enough. My family mantra in the 70s, and I really grew up on this in my teen years and young adult years, was to think is to create. I actually have a little crystal plaque that someone gave me that said to think is to create. And I was raised to believe that if I think positive thoughts, I will create positivity. So I figured I wasn't thinking right because I was fat. And the logical answer was, again, that I didn't want it enough. And I think that's very sad today. I feel a lot of compulsion for that young woman. And today, I really believe my mantra is I cannot think my way into right actions, but I can act my way into right thinking. And that's why I really love this topic. So I got to tell you that I'm in recovery today with 34 years absence because I didn't argue with people as a newcomer. I just did what they said worked for them. I didn't buy it at all. I did not think I was a foodaholic. It was 86. So we read the big book in the AA 12 and 12. I didn't relate to the alcoholics in the big book when I was new, but I was completely fascinated with the fact that in those OA meetings, there were people who had been a fat and they were no longer fat. And I never ran into somebody who had lost significant weight and kept it off before I came to OA. Not only that, they were no longer fighting food. They didn't care if there was a brownie left on the plate. Oh my God, uh, blew my mind. So I didn't argue with them about the whole AA concept. I just did the things that they told me to do because what I wanted to do was get thin just like them. And then I was going to leave and I was going to be able to eat whatever I wanted to eat and not gain weight. So 
not only did I not think right, I didn't buy some key tenets of, re of recovery from addiction, but I didn't argue. I just did what they said. They told me to go to more meetings. I went to meetings, more meetings. They told me to get a food plan and call in every, in every day. I call my food in every day. They told me to read the silly big book in the 12 and 12 and I read. They told me to work the steps and I did the assignments and my sponsor, that my sponsor gave me. And guess what happened? I took new actions. I got different results. I slowly came to believe the more actions that I took, the more I could see I was just like the AAs in the big book. And I was beginning to change and I could see change ever so slightly. As I took new actions, my life started changing. And that's when I could see with hindsight that action leads to change and that without action, nothing changes. So I guess I could conclude here by saying nothing changes if nothing changes. <laughs> but those of you who know me know I would never leave that much time on the clock. So I'll keep talking. I'd like to talk about the change process and the actions that we need to take to change. The big book itself was written, it says, to outline the process, the program of action, and about the actions that are needed to, and, and it talks about the actions that are needed in multiple places in the book. But if you'll pardon me, a little humor, and it's going to sound arrogant, but I think I can summarize all of the actions that the big book tells us to work, all those actions in the first 164 pages, I can summarize them into three words. Three words. You think I can do it? I got to look at your faces. Oh, you're not too sure. All right. I say the first 164 pages tells us to work the steps. That's the change process. Okay, so I've been around long enough to know that there's some of you on here who wish we'd stop talking about the big book, not me, but you want me to say something about OA literature and page 19 of our 12 and 12 says that if we want to remain abstinent and live sanely through good times and bad times, we need to continue to take the action and the steps. And in fact, today's Voices of Recovery surprised me this morning with a quote I would not have used if it had been tomorrow, but it was today and it said the directions for how to change are in the 12 steps. So steps one, two, three, in my opinion, are the, the foundation steps. They helped me see how what I had been doing my whole life wasn't working. They gave me hope that something here in OA would help me. They showed me there was power in OA that was greater than my willpower. And so in my third step, I made a decision to do what the OA, what OA and the recovering people told me to do. And by the time I got to step three, I kind of had bought into the whole addiction concept. And so it made sense to simply, these people had been fat their whole lives. They were not fat. They had been crazy with food. They were not crazy with food. They had a power I didn't have. I was going to do what they told me to do. So after step three, really come the change steps. In step four, I wrote a very thorough inventory using the big book, the AA 12 and 12, and a step guide that a member gave me. I wrote the worst things I'd ever done, my resentments, fears, you get the idea. 
that was a different action for me. I changed. I was willing to look at myself without rationalization or fear. That was new. That was a changed. So what then changed? Even in writing my fourth, and especially after my fifth step, I could see some dysfunctional patterns and how I created my own pain and problems and hurt other people. And, you know, before step four, I didn't want to do step five, but because I changed and I did something I didn't want to do called a fourth step, at the end, I was ready to do my fifth step. And I read it all to my sponsor in the fifth step. I actually did the fifth step one and a half times my first time. That's don't have time for that story tonight. And I told uh, them everything that I had done, even the things I vowed no one would ever know. Definitely a new action. So new actions lead to change, right? Change. Uh, nothing changes if nothing changes. But if something changes, something changes. What changed? I felt loved and accepted with these defects, not despite of them, but with them. That was the gift of the fifth step. And somehow I could see after the fifth step that, that all this crap that I thought defined me was finite. I talked about it for a day and a half. It had a beginning and an end. It wasn't infinite anymore. It was, it was finite. It didn't have to define me. And I felt hope like that. So five minutes, Kimberly. Thank you so much. Step six and seven seems so simple. Um, you know, it's two whole paragraphs in the big book. And one of the paragraphs is a seven step prayer. So it's a paragraph for step six, a prayer for step seven. And uh, I found out it was really actually where the real chain to work begins. So I became willing to have God take my defects away. And I said the seven step prayer. But if nothing changes, nothing changes. I have to take action. I have to take a different action. And I, 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 when I was preparing my notes, I thought of this crazy example. So if I don't know you, but I can't be at the meeting next week and you say you'll lead, so I'm willing to let you lead the meeting, I'm going to give you the Zoom codes or the key. I'm going to give you the format. I'm going to cooperate in helping you lead the meeting. And it's the same thing I think we have to do with God. I, I have to cooperate with God. God is not going to take his magic wand and uh, zap all the defects away. So I wrote a list of my key defects for steps four and five. And then I wrote a list of how I would change my behavior or how my behavior would be changed if those defects were gone. Then I used a simple formula when I was tempted to act on my defects, which was frequent. The formula was pray plus act as if. So here's an example. The waitress didn't charge me for my extra side of vegetables. Woohoo, it's free. That's my first thought. Second thought, ooh, this feels kind of slum, slimy. I'm not sure this is honest. What would I do if God had taken away my dishonesty? I'd tell her. So pray plus act as if. I pray, God, please take away my dishonesty and help me be honest. And I act as if. I tell the waitress she forgot to charge me for them. It's pretty simple. For an extra $3.25, I get to feel the nearness of my higher power and avoid that slimy feeling. I, I had to do it one time and it was not a tip. It was, it was, I don't know how much it was. It was 
10, 15, 20 dollars and and I I struggle with it and then I thought, wait, if I could have bought abstinence for 20 dollars, it would have been such a bargain. I was able to slowly become more honest because I changed my actions and change leads to change. The next change actions I took were in step nine and 10. And by this time I was all in, I trusted the step process hundred percent. I was used to taking new actions. And while it was uncomfortable to talk with people about how I had harmed them and take ownership of my old actions, it cleared the path uh, for me to continue with the change process. And when I was anxious and I wasn't sure I wanted to do one of my amends, I had some of them that were really uncomfortable. I would take small actions because I knew thinking wasn't going to get me there. Action leads to action. Change leads to change. So I small actions where I talked to my sponsor. I asked God for guidance or an intuitive thought uh, or decision. And I, I did easier amends first. Boy, and that's where I learned there's a corollary of if nothing changes, nothing changes. And I said something similar before, but changing something changes something. And little actions can lead to bigger actions. So if I can't make the big change, changing something changes something. Making the first with amends made the next amends easier. And making amends changed my life. And I could talk about that for a long time. But I will just tell you that the amends process freed me from a deep sense of unworthiness and of crippling regret. It's made me a better stepmother, sister-in-law, employee, boss, citizen of the world. At this point, I will say uh, the steps have brought me peace. At, at, at step nine, I really had the promises start to feel true in my life. I've changed. Changing things has changed things for me. And the good news and bad news is that the forward movement isn't permanent. And it's steps 10, 11, and 12 that help me keep things clean by continuing to take inventory, by changing my behavior where necessary, and working on improving my conscious contact with God. I try to live in the principles and do service. And today, when I'm upset, I can turn to my higher power most of the time. Sometimes I can't, my head might be exploding. And then I have this handy dandy little trick that helps me change what I can change. And it's a little mantra. You can all write this down. Now we've gone from three words to four, four letters, S-T-S-T. Don't write it down. It was just a joke. S-T-S-T. When my head's exploding, I can't turn, I'm just going to finish this. I can't turn to my higher power. I ask myself what step, tool, slogan, and tradition apply because that helps me change my, my thinking. And if something changes, something changes. So thank you. Thank you, Kimberly. Okay, we have to use the glasses. Okay. All right, now I'm gonna read this before um, I open up the meeting. Um, and, okay. Um, okay. We're gonna open up the chat now. It's two minutes now, Judy, yes? Two minutes? Yes, that's okay. correct. It'll be two minutes. And I have opened up the chat. Okay. And um, we'll rely, Wayne, on, on the Q&A monitor to unmute 
uh, individuals who wish to, to share when it comes their turn. Okay. And then just, I need to make a reminder, our tradition state that OA has no opinion on outside issues. Some examples of outside issues are politics, religion, diets, treatment programs, non-OA approved literature and other 12-step fellowships. Therefore, please base your sharing on OA experience and do not include outside issues. So I'm gonna leave it. Oh, and please stick to the topic of this meeting. For those who arrived late, the topic of the workshop is, if nothing changes, nothing changes. We'd like to um, now open up the meeting for sharing. And Vivian, uh, maybe, uh, maybe you did this, uh, remind people that they can use the blue hand in the participants list, uh, they raise their hand and uh, Wayne will monitor uh, for those who, who wish to be unmuted and, and speak. And, um, and I think Mary Fran, uh, I, we indicated we give a, you know, a, a one minute warning. Thank you. Even with Thanks, the two Judy. minutes only? Yes. Okay. Yes. Thanks, Judy. Who's calling on the blue hands again? Yeah, Wayne. 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 There he is. Okay. Janine, that was the first. My, uh, it's Janie, yes. Hi, my name is Janie. <laughs> and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, everybody. Um, I really appreciate both speakers, especially one from my, my home, one of my home meetings. Uh, and I think what I related to most of all is when Rachel said, um, I'm a volume eater. I, I am a chronic, I am a compulsive volume eater. And I think looking at, at the underneath reason always, I think it changed for me. I'm the program 42 years, but uh, I was relapsing and relapsing until I really saw the progression over time. You, you know, all these years, even though I did relapse and come back and relapse and come back, I learned. And I learned that it's progression. The disease is progression, but if I started from the beginning and I, I worked my steps and went to meetings and did service, uh, that I can keep that peace. So I'm just very, very grateful, you know, to, to everybody here and thanks very much. Thank you, Larissa. Unmute. There we go. I was just typing just in case. Um, I'm Larissa. I'm a grateful compulsive reader in the suburbs of New York. So great to um, be here this evening. I love the topic. I have to say I've been out of the rooms sort of doing the dance in relapse and, uh, you know, so clear that if nothing changes, nothing changes. And um, uh, Kimberly really hit home with her reminder. Um, I think actually, forgive me, it, was, it wasn't Kimberly. It was the second speaker hit home with the um, reminder about the people who went out, gained weight and died you know, that, you know, I have gained over a hundred pounds. I'd lost 130 pounds in recover, recovery. I'm the heaviest I've ever been. 
And what I'm doing is clearly not working for me. So I'm just so grateful for all those who have stayed the course and carry the message and are the example that it is possible. Um, and uh, just grateful to be here, grateful for the convention. Every year, I, the one thing I've always consistently done is registered at every convention for the next year's convention so that no matter what insanity is one showing minute. up in my life, I, I'm always gonna show up at my conventions so that the message can be heard and that hopefully I can take the next right action to do what will align me with my healing. And um, just thank you everyone for your service and everyone for being here and for the fellowship for continuing to, to um, show us there is a way. Deborah S is next. Mute. Hi, Wayne. <laughs> Deborah S here. How are you? Oh, I froze. Did I freeze? We can hear you. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Hi. From Westchester, WUG, and uh, great speakers. And uh, yeah, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And, you know, over the last couple of days, I've realized that, uh, you know, I need to up my program a little more. And so how do we do that? And STST has always been a part of my, you know, go-to so Kimberly, thank you. Thank you for all the speakers. Thank you for the great day and all of the participants in the convention. Um, it's been a wonderful day and it's, you know, helped me immensely because, you know, I need that reminder because I can fall into complacency so easy. So SDSD, thank you. Rebecca P. Hi. Um, hi, I'm Rebecca. I'm a compulsive eater, anorexic, and bulimic from Ottawa. Um, and I, I'm so grateful for this, well, for this convention, um, but for this topic because, um, and I, I felt compelled to share because this slogan is what gave me peace with food. Um, you know, as a recovering bulimic, I had stopped throwing up for two and a half years um, as the first part of my abstinence, but food was still, a, I was still binging. Um, I couldn't go more than a month or two without binging, and I didn't know how to, to stop that. And um, I mean, multiple things happened. I only have two minutes, but um, I remember standing in my kitchen one night and I was about to have another binge and something someone had said came to me. And it was, um, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And, and I just realized I have to feel these feelings. I have to feel uncomfortable. I have to put this away and go to bed or call someone or something. Thanks. Um, and, um, I'm just so grateful for that. And, uh, and that's all I want to say. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. 
Okay, hi. Um, I'm Enid. I'm a compulsive overeater and food addict, and I live um, in Waltham, which is about 10 miles west of Boston. And um, I, you know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Also reminds me, the flip of that is if you do the same old, same old, you get the same old, same old. Um, and I am a really, really huge believer in, in action. Um, I'm a therapist and people will come to me and they'll tell me, you know, and I'll, we'll talk about things they can do. And then they come back and they tell, tell the same story. And then they come back and they tell the same story. And I'll say, what have you done? What have you done? What have you done? Nothing, 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 nothing. And my answer, my question is usually, what do you want me to do about it? Um, I, I believe that, you know, if I don't show up, if I am not willing to show up at the kitchen counter and chop, excuse my language, the damn vegetables, then I cannot do this. I have to, have to, have to be willing. Um, and I also believe a lot, um, I can't in two minutes go into the stages of change, but so thank you. So similar about what, you know, people, and again, thank you to all the speakers have been talking about, but, um, you know, I think that, you know, we, what I did was uh, I had been abstinent and I was out for a number of years. And then I came back just over two years ago and I read a book about how to change, to create new habits. And it said, if you create one new habit, then others will follow. And I decided I wanted to meditate. I wanted to meditation practice. So I started doing it every single day. 27 days after I started meditating, I got abstinent and I've been abstinent ever since. And I truly believe that, you know, you do one right thing and then other right things happen. And so anyways, thank you again so much. This has been very inspiring. Thanks. Ed R. I am Ed R. Grateful Recovering Compulsive Overeater and Food Addict, absentee by the grace of God, support of the fellowship. Uh, I want to thank everybody for their service. Uh, I was truly astounded when I signed on and there were over 200 people at this uh, workshop <laughs> after a long day. I've, I've been around most of the day. But uh, what I want to say is that um, I was the first person in my uh, family that went to college and I thought I had all the answers. Uh, and even when uh, food had me down, uh, down and I walked into the rooms 21 years ago uh and uh i saw that i you know the first step that i'm powerless uh and that i needed to surrender i said i'm a guy i'm tough you know i'm not gonna have to do that and um a few months later uh and uh somebody heard me telling my food stories and that person called me the next day and uh and uh i liked what he had to say and i said can i call you the next day, he became my first sponsor, One and uh, I I still had the gall to say to him, "I know how to lose weight. I don't need a food plan." And then he said to me, "Let's work the steps." And um, today, I do have a food plan. I work the steps, uh, especially steps ten, eleven, and twelve. And uh, I'm not the same person I came in 21 years ago, and I'm so grateful for that. Thanks. Ellen. Hi, my name's Ellen. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive overeater. Um, thank you to all the speakers. And Kimberly, it's wonderful to see you and hear you. Um, I miss you. Anyway, I, I love this topic. Um, 
because I've been working with a new sponsor for a little over a year now, and I've been in program probably about 15 years. And now I'm starting to change. You know, I, I thought for so many years that I had to change the food. And, um, and I'm fine. It took me so long to realize I had to change the behavior, which led to the food. And, you know, I, and it's so, it, it, it is so wonderful to, to watch um, some of these changes take place, you know, at, at work. I love to gossip. It's, I hate to admit it, but I love to gossip. And thank you. And I haven't been gossiping. I haven't been engaging. And that is such a wonderful feeling. And, um, and I, couldn't, I couldn't do that without going through the steps and really thoroughly going through the steps. And, you know, and my sponsor does remind me of this every once in a while, you know, if she reminds me, nothing changes, nothing changes. When I, be, when I start to become unwilling to take an action, she reminds me of that. So it was just a really good reminder tonight to hear this. Thanks. Sheila G. Hi, I'm Sheila, compulsive overeater. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share and the opportunity to be here. Uh, I'm overcome with gratitude for, for everything that everybody has done um, to bring this forth. And uh, the fact that I'm able to be here, I have a very ill husband. I would not have been able to go to the convention in any case, and it would have been one of the first ones I'd missed in 20 years. Came in program more than 28 years ago, and I have 28 years of abstinence to the best of my ability. I see so many familiar faces here. Yes, nothing changes if nothing changes. So thank you for, for, for the qualifying speakers. Um, that makes me also bring to mind that um, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over again and expecting different results. I wanted to eat, but I wanted to be thin something had to change and it's just the food it started out with just the food one minute thank you so my food changed i came into program someone told me what to eat and i listened that really changed because i wanted to do everything by myself everything about me has changed and when i hear people say oh sheila you're so sweet i don't even know who that person is anymore because that was not how I was. I was a, a you know a pretty self righteous right person. And when people say sweet Sheila, I say, well, maybe that has you know smoothed out my rough edges. Maybe I am a kinder, gentler, honest, more honest person. That you know when I want to change my my apple to a banana, I I'll be honest enough to tell my my sponsor. And and those those are the kind and, you know. Those are the kinds of things that that weigh on me. Whether you know, uh, uh, you know, you know, something came out wrong at the at the grocery store. Those kinds of things, I've changed, and um, it's it, it has made a whole change in my life. I'm more than a hundred pounds less than I weighed when I came in here 28 years Time. ago. Thank you so much. So yes, change is very important. Mary Fran. Hey guys, I'm Mary Fran, compulsive overeater, bulimic, so grateful for recovery. Um, I just wanted to share thanks so much to um, the three speakers. You guys were fantastic. 
and um, I'm going to check out that Queens meeting for sure. Um, <clears throat> but I would like to say to Kimberly, uh, thank you, because I can call my mother now and tell her how wrong she was, because uh, the, the magic word is action, not please. And um, I could also call my sponsor and tell her I don't need to do the 164 pages because um, it just means work the steps. So um, no, I'm just kidding. I, I love this program. It's it's great. And I'm in a great mood. I've been doing service all day. And I've just been so grateful to um, to everything that's been done and all of the, the programs. And, um, you know, just uh, wanted to share that because everybody who spoke today and everybody who shared today and everybody who's here today helped my program. So I just wanted to say that. Thank you. Chris L. I am Chris. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I just really want to claim my seat because I'm going to get all <laughs> emotional. But um, it was so good to hear everybody. And I just appreciate I know how much service went into organizing this. And um, I'm struggling with the food. I came in the first time in 89 and then in 98. And uh, I guess somebody said it. I, one of the things that's kept me in the middle of OA is when I go to convention, I always register for the next one. That's just the way I've done it. And um, it helps me to stay in the middle of OA, abstinent or not. I have to be here because I won't get abstinent if I'm not here and nothing changes and nothing changes and I've tried it the other way. So I'm just so grateful to be here. Thank you all for your service. I hope, I get to, hope I get to see you next year. <laughs> Thank you. Martha P. Hi, Martha, compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Uh, when I got to OA, I desperately wanted everything to change, but I didn't want to change. I just wanted you and that thing and the other thing to change. And it was OA that showed me why I needed to change and how I could do that, given the structure of the program, this beautiful fellowship and uh, a path to a higher power. And I'm so, so grateful. Wonderful speakers. Thank you. That's all I've got. Noam P. Hi. Oh, okay. Hey, my name is Noam. I'm a compulsive overeater from New York City. And I really want to thank the speakers. They were amazing. And today was just incredible. Nothing changes if nothing changes to me. Uh, you know, as someone who relapses a big part of my story, um, I was just really lucky to have a sponsor who taught me that a relapse was a way to do research. And I was part of like a, like a sober family of uh, that they just, you know, I would say uh, stick with the winners. And I would kind of like whine that because of my relapsing, I wasn't a winner. And they told me, no, no, you're a winner if you stay. And it, I, I, I'm just like in, in awe because for me, my abstinence really grew. It wasn't you know, when I just came in here, it was no binging. And then it became three meals with two optional snacks. And it became three meals with a, a very defined snack. And then it, then no sugar, no flour. Then three meals weighed and measured, nothing in between. And, and then also what else changed for me were actions. Like, you know, my sponsor had me make three phone calls a day. I would talk about everything but the fact that I wanted to eat. Now when I make- One minute. There's two things that, you know, I, I can do my 10 step with someone or I can tell them about my food thoughts, you know, 
Because for me, like uh, someone told me once, uh, a thought becomes a fantasy, becomes an obsession. And I gotta, I gotta catch it at the thought or the fantasy, and I gotta talk about it. And I gotta, and I gotta, you know, my disease. I used to think it was like this beast that I had to hold in. It's a scared bunny that I have to, you know, shine a light on it and it'll run away. I have to talk about it. So I want to thank uh, the speakers and everyone who did service today. It was an incredible day. Thank you. So Rev Golden. Yes, that's me. Here I am. I'm Reva from uh, Brooklyn. And uh, it's a great topic. If nothing changes, nothing changes. But I hate to be a contrarian, but I'm right from the big book. Um, what it says in the big book is that it doesn't, it, it, it changes all right, but it gets worse, never better. So I really truly believe that. And I know that from my own experience that over time my eating got worse, my depression got worse, my disposition got, nothing stays the same. Nothing changes, nothing changes is not true. When nothing changes and I don't work the steps and I don't do the work, I get worse, never better. I don't think that I ever did a single step or took a single action that was ever really recommended to me um, unless I really believed that I would die if I didn't. One minute. I, I feel like an alcoholic if I don't stop. And if I re don't really turn over to God, then there is nothing left for me. I am going to die. And my thinking once got so bad that on my bicycle, I rode into an intersection and, and I didn't see the car coming. The light had turned red, but I did not stop. I was riding my bicycle like an alcoholic and uh, I could have died. I just didn't happen. I just did, I just smashed into the side of, car, of the car because I was a few seconds too late. And I really believe that's the shot across the bow, Reva, if you don't do the work, you're gonna be under the wheels next time. That was that was that was a gift from God. That was the warning. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Chuck K. Go ahead, Chuck. Hi, I'm Chuck K. Been in the program for uh, 10 years and uh, feeling really good about it. Thank you speakers for telling me that I've been doing the right things. Uh, the first change I made was to give up salt because that's what uh, my doctor said. You got to give up salt, Chuck, because you're not that heavy, but you, your blood pressure is too high. And I would recommend that this first year you just give up the salt. And then the second year came along and he said, okay, now it's time to give up the flour. And so the second year I gave up the flour. And uh, congratulations, Chuck, you're improving, your blood pressure is going down and you're losing weight. And then the third year, <clears throat> he says, uh, you gotta give up the sugar. So, well, you don't have to give up all the sugar. You just have to give up the sugar that God did not put in the food so that I could, it was okay for me to eat an apple because God minute. put the sugar in 
It's okay for with peaches and pears and grapes if because God put the sugar in there, but you cannot eat any food that human beings put sugar in. So after giving up those three categories, the salt, the sugar, and the flour, I finally got my weight down to normal weight after all these years, and my blood pressure is normal. Thank you, guys. And thank you, God. Wayne? It's Judy. We have time for one more share, and then we'll have to uh, close. Okay. Mark M is next. Hi, I'm Mark. I'm an acid compulsive reader and food addict. Hi, everybody. Hi, Mark. Uh, thank you so very much, speakers. Uh, this is excellent. This is a great topic. Uh, the topic of nothing changes, nothing changes. When I first came in this program, and many of you guys know I was uh, 519 pounds when I came in about 13 years ago, I made a lot of changes right? I made a lot of changes. Um, the thing about it is, is change is inevitable. So look at what's going on in, in life today, you know, what we're, what we're dealing with, what the reason we're having this convention on this thing, you know, change is inevitable and life throws me curveballs. And this is when I get to take the 12 steps out on a test drive. This is when I really get to go out and kind of put it into action, right? Because you know, I didn't say this life to not have a life. And for a person who lived his life isolated, and then finally takes himself out of the shadow that he was stopped. He stopped growing emotionally. I put myself in a shadow. I put myself in the sunlight of the spirit. It's pretty bright for somebody that was in that place. So I don't know how to deal with all those things. So I'm dealing with change every day. And, and that means actions every day. That means there are things that I have to do, you know, every single day. Um, uh, you know, in the big book, you know, when it gets to 10, 11, 12, it says our next function is to grow. Right. This is this is what God wants for me. And so I, I'm just really grateful because coming to this meeting and being exposed and taking the action of sitting here in this meeting and being exposed to some wonderful experience, strength and hope from the speakers and everyone who has shared and everything I've heard has helped me to change a little bit. So thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Vivian, would you like to close? I will um, I will open it up so that everybody can. Uh, have their, um, I would like to have everybody be able to um, say the serenity prayer with us. Yeah. yeah. Just mm -hmm. one second and I'll make that happen. Oh my gosh. Ah, there we are. One sec. Um, so now it should be set so that those who wish to unmute themselves can do it and join you in the serenity prayer. Judy, you are the best. You're the best, Judy. Thank mm -hmm. you. Okay. Thank you. Service. Um, okay, so we'd like to thank you on behalf of Rachel, Kimberly, and myself, everyone who attended this workshop, and we'll now close the meeting with the serenity prayer. Yes, sure. God, 